Hi, I'm Lucy Adams from Disruptive HR. Welcome to one of our podcast series where you'll hear from HR practitioners who are genuinely doing things differently. If you're looking to change your HR practices, then why not check out the Disruptive HR Club? It's got tons of videos, webinars and downloadable guides that will give you all the ideas and practical help you'll need. Check it out at www.disruptivehr.club. Hello, everybody. My name is Karen Moran from Disruptive HR, and I'm delighted to be interviewing Suzanne Roddy from Virgin Atlantic. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Karen. Oh, thank you so much for doing this. It's really great. So we're really excited to hear more about you. So Suzanne is um, Head of Performance and Talent at Virgin Atlantic, and she's been doing some really interesting things with performance management. So we're going to find out a little bit more about that. So let's start. Suzanne, tell me a little bit more about yourself and your role at Virgin Atlantic. Sure. So I joined Virgin Atlantic, um, and we also look after Virgin Holidays, back in September 2018 and the role I have here is really looking at we launched a new strategy in January our three-year strategy really about returning the company to growth and my role is really focused on I guess uh, personal success so how do we have the right talent management leadership development development opportunities for our 10,000 people but also our organizational success so do we have the right uh, structures, processes, toolkits to make sure that we're delivering our strategy. And one of our key priority projects that was underway when I joined was really w- what we do with performance management to ensure that we are setting our people up to really deliver for themselves, but also through that, deliver our strategy and uh, be back to to growth as an airline and as a holiday company. Fantastic. So. I know that you are in the process of revamping your approach to performance management. What led you to think, oh, things are not working now, we need to kind of change it? One of the really exciting things about working at a Virgin company is we're very, we love to be very innovative. We really want to be at the forefront of of what's going on in the marketplace, from a particularly from a customer proposition. And there's a real opportunity here to, to do things differently. But we had a very traditional performance management approach. So very rigid, very prescriptive around, you know, you have a set of smart objectives recorded on a system that people found very difficult to use, checking, you know, formal review once a year. And it was just not really driving performance in people. We've got a lot of excellent people, but actually that kind of happens in spite of our performance management process rather than being driven through it. So there was just a feeling that it wasn't nobody liked doing it people didn't feel they were getting benefit from it managers hated doing it and actually gosh our people and and how they're performing in their development is is the most important thing to us so how do we design a process that people want to be part of take something from and ultimately allows us to deliver that customer proposition at the end of the day that we're all so passionate about sounds very familiar um, so tell us about um, what did you do? How did you go about creating the new approach? So I think what was really different here is we, we put it back to our people. So 
it could have been very simple for us to sit in the, the people team that we are here and, and go, right, let's look at best practice. Let's look at what the most innovative companies are doing. And, and, and we did that. But actually, we did that to inform a group of people. So we, we gathered together 60 people from across Atlantic and holidays. Mm -hmm. So all different parts of the businesses and took them off site for two uh, two two day workshops, which we called innovation labs to really look at, OK, let's let's just blank piece of paper this. Let's look at what other people are doing. What you know, what are the, the tech companies out there doing? What are they doing out in Silicon Valley? What how are people doing this differently? And actually, what's going to work for us? So it was a very colleague led ground up actually, what's the art of the possible here? What are they going to find useful? What are they going to feel passionate about? And we designed the process. Well, our people designed the process. We just facilitated that conversation. Fantastic. So in that process, did you come up with some sort of guiding principles of what it, what your approach was going to be? We did. So that was our big takeaway from the labs, as we call them. So we we took away from that ultimately about eight guiding principles to shape what the process was going to look like and have really used those to inspire how do we make that a reality. So some of the guiding principles that the lab gave us was they wanted to move away from a sort of annual process and into a much more ongoing current cyclical process in, in some ways. They really wanted the, the, the feeling that the current process was very manager dominated. So it was your manager's view on your performance. And actually the way our, particularly our business works, you know, about half of our workforce don't sit in an office. If you think about some of our engineers or our cabin crew, their managers might not see them all the time. They're, they're not sort of hands on working with them. So they wanted it to be much broader, 360 feedback based where a range of people could give input and feedback on, on how you were performing. Uh, we had a really spirited debate at the labs around whether we wanted to have ratings or not. And that's one of the things we've agreed to take away and test because there was some views around, is that rating helpful? Is it adding to a quality conversation? Strong preference to move away from forced distribution, which we currently use, and really a sense that people wanted to own that process that the at the moment it felt that managers set or the business set the sort of tone of when you meet and how you meet and how that's done and they the people in the labs really wanted to move to uh, actually this should be we want to empower people to own their own performance and so actually one-to-one -one with your managers should be when you want them as you want them actually that doesn't mean sitting in a room that means having a chat over breakfast that means having a walk around the park what works for you in your business and i think one of the things we developed at the lab was a sort of strap line of one size fits one so that actually what we were doing was saying to our business which is so diverse and so different in, in terms of what people do as a day-to-day -day job find what fits you we've moved away from objectives into expectations so again, we're saying the most important thing is you know what's expected of you, how that's written down, how that's described could be very flexible. So people in our sales team will have sales incentives. People in our engineering team have a professional development framework that aligns with their certifications. Actually, laying objectives on that might not be helpful. It, the question has to be, do you understand what's expected of you? If you do, great. So, um, so we've got some really good shift away from a very 
bureaucratic top-down process into let's find what works for you in your business area. I love this idea, Suzanne. It's really great. So I'm imagining anybody listening to this um, podcast will be saying, okay, I really fancy doing this, but how do you support people to make this transition? Did you have any tools to kind of to make it work? Sure. So, so we're still, the labs are only at the end of last year. So we're still sort of thinking about how we operationalize a bit of this. Yeah. Um, and actually we just held a, a separate hackathon with some of our managers to run the guiding principles through three case studies. So we've looked at what does this mean for a high performer? What does this mean for somebody who perhaps is underperforming or a lower performer? And actually, how does it work when you're first new into the organization? Because very employee led works probably when you've been in for a while, but actually if you're brand new, does this same process work? So we're really thinking about, okay, how do we make this, this happen? But we're also looking at how much can we phase this in so it's not a sort of shock to the system. So the thing we've done this year is uh, we work on a, 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 our financial year is January to December. So actually when we went out at the beginning of the year, even though we've not sort of, I guess, firmed up every last bit of how this is going to work, we've actually gone out and said, look, you've told us that it's really important that you understand what's expected of you. So we're not going to say, right, you have to go off and write your smart objectives now and record them in the LMS, which is uh, a bit not particularly user friendly at the moment. So what we've said is the most important thing is your whole team know what's expected of them and that they are somewhere that's accessible to you and them. How you record them, where you record them, what framework they fall within is entirely for you to agree. Um, and that was a reasonably, I guess, easy shift for us. And one of the things we're hoping to do is uh, build out how we survey our people. So doing a little short pulse survey on actually do you understand what's expected of you? Have you had a performance conversation with your manager this year? And actually trying to sort of, rather than policing the processing, actually asking people, have they experienced it? I like that. It's a really good way of seeing whether or not it's working, isn't it? By focusing on yeah. outcomes as opposed to inputs, whereas often in HR, we're, we're chasing paperwork, um, but not knowing whether or not we've had the impact that we wanted. One of the things, as I say, I, I, um, I came into this process, actually the lab process had started because I've recently, recently joined, but one of the challenges I sort of put into the lab was it's really important that we design a process that works for people that and doesn't give us HR neatness. Yes. And we as HR might need to cope with, do you know what, we're not going to be able to go into the LMS and pull a report. But as you say, that's fine. We can maybe pat ourselves on the back and go, great, 100% of people have objectives in the system. If people don't know what they are or they're not the right objectives or they've not been agreed in collaboration with their manager, well, it's 100%, but it's not actually going to achieve what we need it to. Um, so we've been very clear around we've got to design something that works. And actually, we as HR might need to flex how we do things and recognise that that's going to build in some difference and be comfortable with that and make sure that we're verifying that the right things are happening but not through process checking yeah that sounds really good it's really hard for us in hr to kind of cope with ambiguity um but i think mm. to get much better at it um so you're absolutely right so that's great so what's the what's the plan then in terms of rolling it out so the plan is we we sort of looked at the guiding principles of two lenses. One was the kind of actually what can we do now? What's the what's the changes we can make kind of straight away? 
show that we're responsive, listening to what people have said and what's going to take a bit more time and a bit more planning. So actually some of it around actually that shift to expectations. Let's move away from mandated mid year and end of year reviews, but expect people to be having regular check ins. Let's move away from mandating the LMS and saying that things need to just be captured somewhere that people are comfortable with. So actually we've done all of that in quarter one this year and we will there's other bits we can roll out this year that are sort of I guess soft launches so it doesn't feel like a big seismic change the other piece of work we've got going on in the background that's going to take a bit more time and effort is this preference for feedback so we're actually building internally a feedback app which is really exciting that people can go in and leave feedback for people request feedback and managers can go in and see what's being said about their team is that um, so uh, just developed or you've bought off the shelf no our, actually our IT team have developed it in-house which is really exciting because it means we've been able to turn it around super quickly yeah and we've just run our first sprint so we're trying to run in an agile process we've just run our first sprint test of the app uh, which closed yesterday so we're just waiting for some feedback on how people found that and then we've actually got one business unit our engineers want to trial that as the second sprint out into the business so in trying to balance moving at pace and moving in an agile world we're doing that one of the things we're very conscious that we need to build around that and sprint two will help us with is what is the training and support we need to put in place to support a kind a culture of feedback and that's both how do you give feedback but really really importantly how do you receive feedback and actually how do we make sure that an app should be there to facilitate feedback, but we, we don't want to turn everyone into keyboard warriors. Yeah. So how do we make sure that actually feedback is still seen as a personal face-to-face -face where possible conversation and that we're capturing what someone's done really well, but what perhaps someone could have done differently. So that's a, we'll probably be developing that app over the course of this year with testing it, trying to build some capability into it, but very important for me, making sure that we're a, putting in that whole support system around a feedback culture so that it lands as we want it to and we want it to be genuinely insightful and supportive for people. That sounds fantastic and that takes us nicely on so thinking about culture and changing behaviours mm -hmm. I understand that you've also yeah. um, got some new values tell me about that. Yes, yeah, so we launched some new values at, at our, actually our leadership conference last September aligned to our new strategy. So our three new values are think red, be amazing and make friends, um, which are very, very us values in, in the sense of I think they really capture what it is to be Virgin Atlantic and Virgin Holidays. Is the think red about the, the, the brand? Is that what, why, why you said think red? Yes, so um, Think Red is, is very much about brand innovation, um, being that pioneer piece around always pushing the, the, the boundaries and pushing the envelope of what's the, the art of the possible. Mm -hmm. um, Make Friends is very much around our agenda of uh, internal relationships, customer focus, partnership focus, how do we work best in partnering? And then uh, and Be Amazing, really looks at actually how do we make sure that we got the the tools the knowledge the know-how the processes to really i guess support the other two in freeing people to be creative be customer focused you know there's a the customer experience is absolutely key at virgin atlantic and virgin holidays and 
how do we make sure that we've got all those supporting processes in and that right mindset to really do that so a lot about actually our growth mindset personal inquisitiveness personal development that sort of sits under be amazing they make sense internally but i think if you were coming in new again you'd kind of be a bit like oh think red what does that mean what do, how do i actually think red yeah um, so the process we started just a few months ago was actually what are the behaviors that sit underneath that and how are those behaviors going to bring our values to life but again deliver our strategy deliver velocity which is our strategy and so we've taken again a slightly different approach so we run two processes at the same time so one process was sitting again with our people calling up people coming to workshops and saying okay what what does think red mean to you what are the behaviors you think you need to show if you're thinking red you're being amazing or you're making friends but really interestingly for me we've asked the same question uh, via a, a partner into a sort of predictive analytic model so we've gone into a predictive model um, around business and organizational and individual behaviors run our strategy and our values through that and sort of from that you know hundreds of hundreds, thousands of data points said okay what does this model tell us about the behaviors we will need to demonstrate to deliver these outcomes and the process we're just at at the moment is almost the gap analysis of what does the model tell us how have other people delivered the same a similar strategy what behaviors have they shown what of our people think we need to show and is there any difference and are there any blind spots that we're not aware of that we'll need to develop our behaviors in to really have those strategic aims delivered our differentiators into the marketplace you know what are the core behaviors of exceptional customer experience that we need to show if we really want to be recognized as that customer leader in the marketplace. Fantastic. And so this obviously requires good leaders, I'm guessing. So what are you mm -hmm. doing in terms of um, tying all this in to behavioral change or leadership development that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things um, I think that's the behaviors is one of the things is we're really trying to empower our leaders to own a lot of this locally so if i think about the behaviors and this is a kind of ongoing piece of work but one of the things we're kind of explicitly not doing is when we have the behaviors that we're comfortable with sort of going right and this is a tick behavior and this is a cross behavior um you know this is what good looks like this is what bad looks like we yeah. really don't want to do that with these but actually what i would really want is our leaders out in their businesses to then take that with the right tools and products to support those conversations to go, okay, actually, what does this behavior mean for us? And that will be different in our cabin, to our engineers, to our set call center for holidays, you know, to our people out in resorts. So we really want them to then bring those behaviors to life for their team. But also on a kind of broader leadership development, it's a, it's a huge focus for us. We've got a lot of ambitious targets around growing our own leaders, promoting internally, getting a really poor management cycle going. And we're spending just some time now again, thinking about, okay, particularly of those behaviors, actually, are there any of those behaviors that are more impactful at leadership level? Do we, do we need them to show? Again, we didn't want a separate leadership behavioral framework and uh, everybody else behavioral framework. Actually, everyone needs to behave the same way, but are there certain ones that are more required at leadership level 
or do we want to step almost away from the behaviours and say, what are our expectations of leaders? So we expect the same behaviours, but we also expect our leaders to create a sense of belonging or empower their teams to deliver. That's the bit we're still trying to work through and bring that sort of scientific research and predictive model into, again, from all the experience and what sits in the artificial intelligence model, this is what your leaders have to be able to do to really empower your people. Sounds great. So, I mean, obviously, you're very well known for providing excellent customer experience. So what are you doing on the employee front in terms of the people experience? Sure. So um, you're right. We're very proud of our reputation in the marketplace. It's really important to us. We we genuinely want to delight our customers every time they uh, book a flight with us or come on holiday with us. Um, and we're very privileged that one of our um, executive vice presidents um, I've had him say is because we're only long haul and, and even if you come on holiday with us, you're generally going quite far away. We're very privileged. Most people spend yeah, anywhere between six and 13 hours of their time on one of our flights or a couple of weeks on one of our holidays. So we have a lot of time with people and you know we know people's travel and people's holidays are super important to them. So we always want to delight. We always want to have a very virgin experience when you come away with us. But we recognise that actually through our people, it's our people that deliver that. Mm. And that's they make the difference. So we've got to create the right experience for them to make sure that then they feel they're able to deliver a brilliant customer experience. We're starting to work really on clarifying, I guess, what our people experience, what the people experiences we want our people to have. How does that look? How do we want people to feel at each stage of our employment journey? What are those key touch points? What are those key moments that matter? And how do we kind of delight them at every stage so that they feel they can go out and delight our customers? And that's really through everything from that culture we're creating and, and that whole piece around our behaviours and performance, but also what are the tools we're putting in their hands? What are the environments we're asking them to work in? That real holistic kind of view of people experience and what we aspire to to deliver for them so that they have that freedom to deliver for our, our customers. I mean, the, the example you've given in terms of the change in your performance management is perfect for that, mm. isn't it? Because you can mm. already see how your employees are going to feel if that approach kind of works. It's just, it's it's fantastic. It's a lovely experience rather than, you know, sitting in a room and being scored and, uh, you know, all of those things. So it's, it's really good. So are you doing things in other areas of the life cycle to help with that experience? So in terms things like reward and learning and development absolutely so we are one of the things we're really proud of doing is um our new a new vision as a company is to be the most loved travel company and we're very open about talking about love at work we like talking about our emotions yeah so we're really trying to build a people experience based on on love so our we've just completely redone our induction program which was uh, obviously great, but we're now calling it first date. Oh, um, so you get invited to your first date with us, and we've got such amazing feedback on that on that program and actually how people feel set up to deliver from that. Our chief executive goes to every first date, and they are held most weeks, um, and he comes and, and individually welcomes people to the company. 
but it's really about how do we really infuse you with that virgin spirit from day one and one of the pieces of work we're looking at now is actually we've got to do an equivalent for our managers so really kind of actually how do you our expectations of how do you manage in our virgin way yes. um, and we're trying to grow that out across the whole the whole of the life cycle to get that really consistent experience but we've had such great feedback from first dates again one of the things we're looking at is actually how do we get more people on it so we're very fortunate here at virgin that we have huge commitment from our people people who work here are very very proud to work for the company we know that through our engagement surveys and we're very unusual that we have more than 50% of people have worked here for more than 10 years, which is huge kind of comparative to the, the broader economy. Yeah. And actually we've had some people go on first date when we were doing some little trial sessions who've been here a long time and kind of coming out saying, do you know, I forgot all the great stuff we do. I forgot how brilliant the company is. So we're really looking at how do we take you know all that great energy we build in those first few months at work where we spend you know all companies spend a lot of time because we absolutely want our new hires to land and be feel feel that sense of belonging very quickly but actually we've got to absolutely focus on the people that have been here for a long time because you do forget and you, you know you you know what's going on in your world but we've got such great things going on here we need to we need to somehow make sure we're capturing those for everybody that's fantastic if you think about um you know marriage and relationships is a bit like that isn't it you know you kind of forget yeah. and so that's where the where you introduce date night so maybe well you... I was going to say I was, I was just saying the working title is date night <laughs> <laughs> on it because and we could go a bit far with this because we we were looking at the employment life cycle and how we could label it it was like oh do we call it like you know therapy yeah <laughs> you can take it a bit far but uh, but it's true isn't it? It, it ultimately we are in a relationship with our people and we spend you know a long time at work and you know people become like a second family and as you say you wouldn't you wouldn't 10 years after you've been married just not spend any time reflecting with your partner on the highs and the lows and, and all these things and I, I think you know we all fall into that trap sometimes of spending a lot of time and effort on those new starters which is super important and we we can't stop it but actually how do we how do we remember to celebrate our successes and re-inspire people with with what we're trying to achieve um and i think you know as i say virgin's got a, a culture all of its own and and it's phenomenal the way we do celebrate our successes and and focus on the customer and really want to delight and be at the forefront of what's going on in the industry and we just perhaps have to remember to to tell people about it sometimes yeah sounds good and so you mentioned earlier Suzanne about your engagement scores so how do you how do you deal with engagement do you have um surveys or what do you do yeah so um We've traditionally done a sort of once a year survey, um, which has been really insightful. Um, we know we've got some brilliant engagement in the company. We know people are very, very proud to work here, take a lot of pride in what they do, feel recognised by the company. But like most companies, we, we also have some areas to work on. Um, so one of the things we're looking to do over the next few months is, is really move to a much more regular surveying uh, strategy we've we've tended as i say we've only done a once a year we've not tended to ask people their opinions 
more broadly than that. So one of the key criteria that we've been looking at, um, and this links a little bit back to the behaviours, is to be really rigorous about what we're testing, what we're asking, and what, what the impact it ultimately is of what we're trying to achieve. I found with the survey we've been using, we get lots of kind of the effect, but it's sometimes a bit of a struggle to get to the cause and, and it leaves managers struggling a little bit with their action plans because they know how people feel, but they don't necessarily know what the right thing is to do to fix it. So we've wanted to move to something where we're much more defined about what we're classing as engagement. What does that mean to us? And therefore, what are the right questions to ask people to really get to how do we make it better to be here? Yeah. Because there's a huge amount of passion in this company for making work brilliant. We want people to come to work and feel that they're thriving, that they can bring their whole self to work and actually they come and achieve and deliver because we know that the morale, the self-esteem from that, as well as all the business benefits is really, really important to us. So we're hopeful we'll be in a position to do, to make those changes this year um, and really get more regular feedback from our people. You need to get back to those app developers, get them working on another one. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we love an app here. But it, it, yeah. but it, it's, and it's really important for us because it's sometimes sitting in, in our HQ here, you know, more than half our workforce are in an airport, in the sky, uh, overseas. You know, so they're not they're not sat in front of their computer. If I send them an email, I'm not sure when they'll be able to read it because it's just not the way they work. Yeah. So it's really important that we we move to a, a kind of product developer mindset and actually make sure that we're producing something that our people can engage with and can use and it's delivered in a way that works for them. We're, we're fortunate all of our crew have iPads, so actually pushing apps out is quite a good way to get in touch with them. Yeah. Um, we have uh, Workplace by Facebook here, which has been, I think, a brilliant tool for... Oh, don't you just love Facebook Workplace? It's just brilliant. I love oh, it. I love it. I've, anyone would think anyone would think we were getting um, commission from them because I talk about it all, all the time. I always say, don't get an LMS, don't get a recruitment, just use Facebook Workplace. It does everything. <laughs> the crew and the people that are out, you know, not in an office up in the sky. It's just the ability to keep in touch. We see the most, honestly, I see probably a couple of times a week the most heartwarming stories oh. of things our people have done for our customers. And we've got a recognition uh, group there, which everyone automatically joins up. And actually, customer relations are really good at posting when we get um, compliments in. But for example, I saw something this week where someone had written in because um, they had seen in a New York hotel, somebody had collapsed and was having CPR. And it was our crew and pilots helping. And they actually wrote in just to say, I just thought that was amazing. And they were helping and they were comforting the family of the individual. And this is the stuff our, our guys do, not hopefully, luckily on that one day in, day out. But, you know, we see stories of things happening on board, you know, proposals, all these sort of things that they take videos of and then they post on Workplace. And just that sense of this is why we're here. This, you know, we are in service of those guys who are the front line to our customers. You know, it is our crew are the person you see when you step on and last person you see as you step off. So actually they make the difference. And I just wouldn't know those stories someone sat in an office if it wasn't for workplace so I'm really passionate about that belonging 
uh, sense of belonging it can drive. Fantastic. And that kind of being able to build stories that everybody can kind of access and are probably telling all yeah. their friends. And, you know, it's just fantastic from a from a sort of building potential candidates, but also for, for, for your customers. Yeah. Fantastic. So, I mean, obviously, Suzanne, you're doing some really great things. What do you what would you say has been your biggest challenge? We're trying to do a lot. We're very ambitious as a company. Um, so I think for me, it's about recognising probably what we need to do versus what the business can cope with and how much change we can make. And it's all really positive change, but it's all got to be balanced in a day job. And, you know, if you're a manager out there in the line, we've got to make sure that we're not we're not changing too much too quickly for you. I think the thing for me is even more so than other companies I've worked with that just, you know, we're 10,000 people and as I say, we've only got about two and a half in offices, be that either in Crawley where our headquarters is or, or Swansea or, or the rest of the world. And actually it's so easy to, we're really lucky we work in brilliant office spaces, really collaborative office spaces. You know, it's a great environment to work in, but it's a really small number of us in comparison to the business. So actually everything I'm doing and everything my team's doing, how do we take that outside of these offices how do we make that relevant for if you're in a hangar or you're in the air how do we make that real so that you get that same experience and I think that's our real challenge on the people experience bit how do we make that consistently brilliant experience irrespective of where you work and that's the bit I don't think we've quite worked out just yet I'm sure you'll get there so what would you say yeah what would be advice if you know people listening to this podcast to kind of feeling a bit inspired about what they might be doing differently what advice would you give to them I would say involve your people that's been the real eye-opener for me here is they really do have the best ideas they know how it works and they know what's going to work and what's not going to work and I think the piece around performance and, and now that we're starting to kind of socialize our potential behaviors a little bit is it's got to feel real and authentic for them otherwise they're not going to use it and we can spend months and years developing a really nice hr product but if no one uses it we might not have we should have spent the time doing something else yeah. and so i think actually the more we can involve people in what we're doing and that requires us to let go of the reins to you know remember that yes we bring a huge expertise in terms of you know hr psychology human behavior absolutely and there's a really valuable place for that but that's not all of the answers and actually how do we bring people into that and show them the art of the possible and i think for me the real learning of the innovation lab was our what the people team brought wasn't the, the HR process bit actually for us it was about how do we make them see what could be a reality because of course if you ask people they will probably tweak your existing process they'll tell you what works and what doesn't and so the leap we had to make with the labs was actually here's what we could do and the world is your oyster and actually here's what some other people are doing that looks quite different so that they can almost start to imagine that future yeah. um, and I think that's the part the the people team had that really valuable role of going it's a bit like the Henry Ford quote, isn't it? If you ask people what, if they ask people what they'd have wanted, they'd have wanted a faster horse, and actually, what they needed was a car. Um, our job is to show them the car is possible. Yeah. Um, but actually, they they are going to tell us whether they're ready for a car. That's brilliant. 
Oh, Suzanne, thank you so much. That was really, really helpful. No, thank you. Um, and I'm sure that people will probably be sort of contacting you, um, trying to find out more. Do, absolutely. I don't mind that. Um, but thank you. So no, drop me a line on LinkedIn. Yeah, oh, that'd be great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Suzanne. It's been fantastic to talk to you. Thank you. No, it's been brilliant chatting to you. It's um, delighted to tell people our story. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more resources to help you change HR, check out the Disruptive HR Club at www.disruptivehr.club.